0: could open up your Bibles and turn with me to John. We're going to be in John chapter 1.
1: I'm really going to be focusing on the first three verses of John's gospel, but I'm going to read the whole prologue from beginning to end, the first 18 verses of John's gospel. You know, Christmas time is a time to really think about profound thoughts. Big thoughts about who God is. Things like what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, those first 11 verses, that although he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. That is so true. Yes, because it's in scripture, but just think about it for a moment. Do we really comprehend, have a grasp of, an understanding of, a real understanding of the fact that Jesus was God and that God in the incarnation became a man? And that when he did it, he didn't do it by subtraction, but he did it by addition, that God took upon himself our frailty in becoming a human being our weakness thinking big thoughts like this is what makes so sweet the news of things like John 3:16 and the assurance of pardon that for god so loved the world that he gave his only son to redeem us the reason why that is such good news And something that we often just kind of overlook and glance over is because of who Jesus was. And in looking at the incarnation, the track I kind of plan on going through is today looking at who Jesus was before he became a man, who God, God, before he became a man. Then at the Christmas Eve service, looking at that experience of God becoming a man And then really dealing with the incarnation proper on Christmas Day. And maybe I'm debating whether to go into the history of Christmas a little bit. All the Gospels start somewhere. The Gospel of Mark starts with Jesus' public ministry. Identifying him with the suffering servant who Isaiah spoke of. A little bit farther back in history. Matthew starts with Abraham, showing how Jesus is connected in in fulfillment of all the promises of Abraham. Luke starts with John the Baptist's parents, with the kind of the beginning mark. But where John starts in
0: his gospel is back way farther in time, back in eternity. Let's read now, John's Gospel, starting at verse 1. In the
1: beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him not was not anything that was made, or rather, But came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the
0: world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him.
1: But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He
0: has made him known. You know, when we're reading John's gospel, different people like
1: different things. I tend to gravitate towards Luke. I really love Luke's gospel and how he starts off with an orderly account of eyewitnesses. Very concerned with historical data and research. John's more for the artistic type. He's concerned with history. He's concerned to make sure to bring us back to the point in history where time began. As actually all Christians are. I think I'm going to have to talk about the origins of history next week. Just because the reason why we celebrate on December 25th is because Christians are so concerned with history and finding out that precise date when Jesus came into the world. Even if I disagree with the date that they picked, but that's okay. Christians are concerned with history. And that's why I find myself kind of drawn to Luke's gospel oftentimes but John's gospel does something different. He, through this poetry, through this beautiful language, paints a picture of who Jesus was before he ever became a man. He uses such language because what else can we use to describe who Jesus was before he became a man? We're getting here to a profound thought, to higher thoughts than we could ever think of when it comes to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think we oftentimes, because maybe the poetic language, we kind of just glance over some things. Like the fact of, who is the word? When I started reading John's gospel, who was the person to which I was referring to? The word. Well, we know from verse 17, that the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Did you realize that I hadn't even read his name until that point? No. You knew who I was talking about, though. John, though, says and calls Jesus, and this is the first point in your outline in the back,
0: that Jesus is called the Word. Why does John do this? Well, he calls him the word. That thought has been thought to
1: be connected to Greek philosophy. And many ancient people would have been familiar with this. They would have read his gospel and realized that word or the word logos, reason, is the very foundation of how the universe is set up. Proverbs 8 says that the whole universe was created by wisdom. And by wisdom, God shaped and crafted everything that is. That's true. But John probably wasn't trying to make an appeal to the secular world and the different philosophies of the ancients. What John was probably trying to communicate to us is something that he knew very, very well. Something that he had studied all his life, which is the scriptures. How does the very beginning of the Bible start? Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 says that
0: in the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. And the
1: earth was without form. And was void in darkness. And what's the first thing he does? He says, let there be light. And that's exactly what John does here. He starts off concerned with taking us not back to Abraham or David, or even when Luke has his genealogy genealogy, connecting him back to Adam. John is concerned to make the connection that this word is the word that we see in Genesis. He does it by first, the very first words of his gospel says in the beginning, really two words in Greek and Genesis chapter one, verse one starts with those same two words in the beginning. Now, if that was the only connection, that would be pretty flimsy. But he goes on and he connects the theme of light and darkness. And not only that, but he connects the fact that this word, verse 3, all things were made through him and without him was not anything
0: made that was made. The very point of Genesis chapter 1 was to communicate to the
1: Israelites that no other gods were involved in the creation of this universe, that there's only one God, the living and true God, and everything that was made was made by him and by him alone. And there's a certain rhythm and pattern that happens in Genesis chapter one, that God speaks and then it becomes God says, let there be light, and it is so. God says, let there be waters, divide the sky and the seas, and it was so. Evening and morning, there's a certain rhythm that happens with each of the six days of creation as God is creating everything.
0: And God creates everything by his word out of nothing
1: the significance of jesus being called the word of god is to say that G- that the word is the thing through which everything was created the point is actually the same whether it's genesis 1 or john that the word of god was the direct means by which
0: the universe came into being. Jesus being described as the word shows here
1: something that we often forget about living in kind of a materialistic world. Both Genesis and John chapter one, show that the origins of our universe is not from or through any impersonal force. That the world in which we live was created and designed by a personal being with a personal reason for existing, a purpose, a
0: design to it to serve a specific end The world was not created by chance. R.C. Sproul talks about chance, and
1: one of my favorite quotes and lines from R.C. Sproul is talking about chance is not a thing. If I flip a coin and I catch it, there's a 50-50% chance that it's either heads
0: or tails. But what is chance? Is chance causing the coin to flip?
1: Chance is just a substitute word to account for all the little things that we don't know. If I flipped a coin and you knew how much pressure my thumb was putting on it, if you knew the amount of friction that the air was causing on the coin, and you knew at what point I would catch it, if you knew all the variables, you would know. It wouldn't be a 50-50% chance whether it was heads or tails. If you knew all the variables, you would know which one it's gonna be. Chance is nothing, or chance is not a thing that you can hold. Kind of gave away the punchline.
0: Chance is not a thing. Chance is nothing. God created the
1: heavens and the earth. And what John is so clear about is saying that in calling Jesus the word, is to identify him with God himself. But he does not stop there.
0: He says that, the next phrase there, that this word was with God.
1: Now, there's plenty of different words that he could have chosen to say that the word was with God. He could have chosen meta or uh, para
0: the word he chose was pros, and he chose that word with for a specific reason. You see, there's an
1: odd thing here. When, Jesus, when God spoke and when you
0: speak, normally the words that we speak go away from us and towards other people. But the word with here that's used is towards
1: That the word was with God in the sense of he was towards him. That there was this face-to-face relationship between the word and God the Father. It's the same word that's used here, that the word was with God. It's what Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 5. When Jesus is praying to his father and he says, and now father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before
0: the world existed. The with here is this relationship.
1: The father had a glory. The son had a glory that belongs to God and to God himself alone. And the word was with the Father in a sense of something that we can only begin to grasp. The significance behind this language is to say that the word was God. And, but at the same time, there's a sense in which this word is distinguished from the Father. And it's here we have to be very very careful in thinking these profound big thoughts about who God is. Immediately, the human intuition is to be reductionistic at this point. To make something God into something that we can grasp. To look for an illustration in nature that makes sense of this. But the reality is, is that the word preceded creation. The word of God and God himself, the whole Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost
0: are completely different from anything else in the created universe. We cannot get
1: him into our minds. Exactly how does this all work? I think the closest that we can possibly get is in the language of John
0: himself that he gives us. He's trying to paint a picture here. The father is God and the son
1: is God. And the Holy Spirit, the son will reveal to us is also God. And yet these three are distinguished in some sense from one another. First of all, in that the father sends the son, the son accomplishes the work of redemption and the Holy Spirit completes that work of redemption in human beings' lives. There is a distinction in this. It's the same effect of John's statement that we see in First Corinthians chapter 8. Listen to this. Starting at verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, we know that an idol has real, no real existence and that there is no God but one pretty good statement of monotheism here, but he goes on for, although there are many so-called gods in heaven and on earth, as indeed there are many gods or many lords yet for us, there is one God, the father from whom all things and for whom We exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ,
0: through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. You know, Robert made an excellent point about worshiping in vain. Worship
1: that is in vain is not just words out of our mouth or thoughts in her head. They are those. But worship that is in vain
0: thinks less of the Lord Jesus Christ than we should. And I have to admit, I oftentimes think less of the Lord Jesus Christ than I should. I know that because of my lackluster prayer life. That, if I
1: knew I had a personal relationship with the living God who created the heavens and the earth, would I not bring every problem every trial that I go
0: to go through to him? I have immediately access through the Holy Spirit to the
1: God of the universe. the God of the universe indwells me in the
0: person of the Holy Spirit. This is why. Following the Lord Jesus Christ is worth it.
1: Not just worth it in the sense of turning away from our comforts and our pleasures. But Jesus calls people, as we saw last week, to suffer in following him, knowing the things that are going to happen to those who choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it worth it? It's because Jesus is
0: nothing less than God himself. Jesus Christ is called the word
1: and the word is with God. And we get to that last phrase and the last point
0: in your outline. In verse one, the word was God. Couldn't. Get really any clearer here at this point
1: however there have been if i don't know if you've had someone come up on your doorstep who has claimed to be a jehovah's witness who has looked at this verse and actually they showed you maybe in their bibles the new world translation where they say no 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 verse two does or verse one does not say that the word was god but that the word was a god now, probably the best thing to do at that point would be to ask them to open up their Greek New Testaments and show you where that, it says that. Because the person talking to you 99.9% of the times doesn't know Greek to begin with. And shows that what they are giving you, the information they're giving you, is something that they don't really have a true comprehension of.
0: But they do have at least a point here, the phrase there, and the word was God, doesn't include in front of God the definite article, the word the. So what are we to do here? Well, I think, first of all, even in English, not
1: every definite noun requires a definite article in speaking. If you said Nick is going to preach, you know what Nick I'm referring to. Do you really need to, someone to say the Nick Kraus is going to preach in order to know that this person Nick is definite? You don't need that. We know this even with Nathaniel when he calls and says that truly you are the king of Israel. Our English translation says the king of Israel because that's how we make sense of that statement. But the reality is that Nathaniel at the end of chapter one, when he makes that claim of Jesus, it just says it doesn't have the definite article in there. And if we are to follow that logic through that, whenever the word the is not there in the Greek, that it means that it's referring just to a God, not the true and living God of the scriptures. Well, then we'll have an odd reading in verse six, where it says there was a man sent from a God whose name was John. No, even the New World Translation at this point says, uh, understands that the God here that's being referred to is not just any old God, but is the true and living God of the scriptures. Or even verse 12. And once again, this is in the same chapter that. Although, uh, but to all who did receive him, that is Jesus, the word, who believed in his name, he gave the right
0: to become children of a God. No, of the true and living
1: God. And if you're talking to this Jehovah witness and they have a problem and don't understand that the word the doesn't function exactly the same way as it does in English, As it does in Greek, you can just take them to John chapter 20, verse 28, where Thomas, after seeing the risen Lord Jesus, says the specific phrases, he says, Ha, well, I won't do that. He says that you, he says, the Lord my and the God my. Thomas, confesses jesus christ and says that he is the lord his lord and thomas says that jesus is the god which one his god and jesus at no point corrects him but instead affirms that confession of faith and says this blessed are you that you have confessed this but blessed are even more so those." Who come to this conviction, who have not had Jesus personally appear to them to prove this reality. And something that we have already seen is that if we just kept reading, we would see that the word was God. That that deity is affirmed and proven in the very next verses. He was in the beginning with God affirming that distinction and verse 3 all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made there's another way we could say this and paul says this in colossians chapter 1 verse 15 he says that he jesus is the image of the invisible god the firstborn or the preeminent one of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things Hold together. What is it that we see about the Lord Jesus Christ that says that he is the God of the universe to whom we owe everything to? Well, all things were made through him. Without him, anything that exists, any molecule, any matter matter, atom in the universe, anything that is created was created through the Lord Jesus Christ. The world was made, him, was made by him, and he
0: is the very imprint, the very image of the invisible God. These are pretty profound thoughts, aren't they? Looking at who the
1: Lord Jesus Christ is, what on earth does this mean, just thinking these big thoughts? is the point of thinking these thoughts is to really know now the Greek use of the article works differently in Greek than it does in English. And now that when the Jehovah witness comes to your door, you can show them, well, if you're going to be logically consistent here, we can see that this is what this grammatical phrase means.
0: Is this something that's meant to just puff up our minds? Or is this given to us to show us why, at the very outset of
1: John's gospel, why Jesus, when he walks around, why people submit to his authority? Why, when he offers people eternal life, he's not offering them something that he cannot give them.
0: The amazing thing about the Lord Jesus Christ is not that he was just a mere human being. Is it that he was the God-man,
1: proven by the fact that he existed before he was born? That's not something true of anyone else. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am,
0: there's a reason why the Jews went to stone him and kill him. When thinking these profound thoughts, I think the main thing that it does for us
1: is it shows us what a profound thing it is to be called a Christian, to be called a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: We tend to think of it as just this little thing Partly because of the freeness of the gift that is eternal life. But don't mistake
1: the freeness of the gift to us as littleness.
0: Forgiveness is a big thing that we have. We follow a big God. For God so
1: loved the world that he sent the son of God. To become man.
0: The God who made absolutely everything in the universe. How far did he come? Do you not grasp this? I don't. Do you not grasp how far God had to come in order
1: to save human beings like you and me? Profound thinking like this should lead us to devotion, should lead us to embracing Christ, being willing to die for him because he is the God of the universe who became man.
0: Understanding this will help prevent us from living for lesser things. It'll
1: prevent us from dedicating our lives to anything less
0: than worshiping the God Of the universe. Understanding this, it makes sense of the reason what Augustine said that our hearts are restless until we rest in you. There's something to this statement. My wife and I were talking about this and telling her about
1: Augustine's quote. That the human heart is restless until it finds its rest in God. That, that old line of everyone has a God shaped hole in their heart. And that being a motivation for pulling people to Christianity is that you have been created with a God shaped hole in your heart. There's a certain sense in which that is true. God cre- created us to reflect God's glory. And we are missing that. We are missing our communion that we had with the God of the universe. And there is a sense in which we are restless until we find that our lives come to its design in worshiping the Creator of the universe. The problem with the gospel being that you have a God shaped hole in your heart is that the focus is wrong. John's gospel doesn't start off with everyone has a God-shaped hole in their heart. The gospel starts off with who Jesus is, who God is, his greatness, his majesty. Every Christian who pursues him and is devoted to him, they find rest, they find joy. In profound thoughts about Jesus Christ, we find That out of our devotion to Jesus Christ, we have better marriages, or at least we should. That in profound thinking about Jesus and studying who he is and what he had done for us, we find ourselves living more moral lives, wanting to love our neighbor. But the root of the gospel is not our need. The root of the gospel is who God is in his saving of sinners. Let's go to him now in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have revealed who Jesus Christ is and that Jesus Christ revealed who you are. Lord, we cannot get our minds around what he revealed to us. The Son revealed that God is Trinity, that the Father sent the Son. And that he sends his Holy Spirit now to redeem men and women. Lord, we cannot fathom the greatness of who you are. We cannot get our minds around who and how great the Lord Jesus Christ is. But if we are going to be convinced of anything, Lord, may we be convinced that you are worthy. The Father is worthy of devotion of our whole lives. May we not be like the world that does not know you, that knows only of your power, who, although they knew God, did not honor him as God or give thanks to him.
0: May we live a life seeking to please the Son out of all the things that he did.
1: If he was willing to die, For us, if he was willing to even come to this earth and go through all the pains and miseries of this life, Lord, we should be willing to go through whatever pain and misery is involved in following the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we live for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave us a free gift which we know that has brought us in communion with God, that Jesus Christ was face-to-face with God, and will be one day returned to that, being face-to-face with God by the Holy Spirit. And may we take this free gift that's offered to us, and may we embrace it, and may we then share it with others, convinced of its power to save sinners. It's Jesus Christ's name that we pray.
0: Amen you'll stand with me we are going to continue